many people. And so now there's all these people in Jerusalem that are, are Christians, all these people that are following Christ, all these people that are listening to the apostles' teaching. And I kind of glossed over the last part of chapter 2. I really thought I should have come back and, and hit that harder just because that's the life of the early church. If you get a chance, go back and read those last, I don't know what they were, five or six, seven verses of chapter 2. There's a lot in that. We talked about how it wasn't like communal, you know, everybody sell all your stuff and, you know, it was just Christian generosity. We talked about it a little bit, but we didn't spend much time on it, so... Uh, they were they were with the apostles teaching. They were devoted to each other in prayers, fellowship, all those kind of things. Those the model for the early church is the model for what the church should be today. And so uh, I just kind of read those because I didn't want to spend three weeks on one chapter. And so we could go back and do that. But uh, we're just going to start and we probably won't get but the 10 verses. Acts chapter 3 is going to be just like Acts chapter 2. It's going to be two events. It's going to be one, it's going to be healing of the lame man that's sitting at the gate. And then you know what's going to happen. Same thing that happened in chapter 2. All the people are going to see this wonderful healing. All these people are going to be marveled and amazed at all this going on. And so Peter's going to stand up and he's going to preach another sermon. Can you guess what his sermon is going to be about? Resurrection. Yeah, it's going to be about Jesus' death and resurrection. About how it's Jesus' power that has healed this man. And so what we're, what we're seeing here, you all know the story, I'm sure. Acts chapter 3 is the man who's sitting at the gate called Beautiful. Peter and John walk by. They, uh, you know, he asks for money and silver and gold. Don't have I none, but what I have I give to you. Uh, but what it shows us Ed, is that the kingdom of God is breaking into reality. Uh, and it, it continues to do so. It's breaking in. It, when the kingdom is fulfilled and all things are made right the way they're supposed to be, there's not going to be any more sickness. There's not going to be any more pain or dying or, or getting old. or you know, It's not going to be any more of that. Everything's going to be the way that it was always meant to be. It's going to be just, it's going to be a return to the Garden of Eden where men and women would live forever. Uh, they would be in perfect fellowship with God. They would walk with Him in the cool of the day. That's what it says in Genesis. And it'll be a return to the perfection of, of you know, what it was always supposed to be before sin came into the picture. And so in Jesus' ministry and in the ministry of the apostles, you, what we're seeing is glimpses, little pictures... <coughs> Uh, it's like peeping through the keyhole of the kingdom of God breaking into reality, breaking into history. And it's continuing to do so. Every time a person this morning, we had one that was saved in, in service. And every time, every time uh, God changes a heart to desire Him rather than to desire sin, you see another little picture of, of the perfect healing of the kingdom, the kingdom breaking into, into reality. And it's going to continue until, until the end. And so that's really, it's not just about, hey, this guy's sick and he needs to be healed, so voila, there you are, you're healed. It's not, I mean, it is, it is a true healing and it is, you know, marvelous miracle and all those things. But the, the significance of it is, um, it, it, it's that God is showing us a picture of what it's going to be, you know, when, when it's all said and done. He's showing us that his kingdom is breaking into reality right now. It's not complete yet. We still live in a fallen world. We still live in, in this sinful place. We still have sin that dwells within us. 
but it is the breaking in is the it's the assurance that there's going to come a day when it's all when it's all wiped away. Does that make sense? Has anybody read this section and have questions before we get started? Besides Valerie, right. <laughs> no, I just had to throw that in. You can ask a question, Valerie. Do you have a question? Alright. Why are you so mean? Because I didn't make a resolution. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. I know, I know. I did, I did, huh? Well, I need to, I need to stay away from the Twinkies. That's my resolution. Alright, so what we see is we're also going to see that it's the power of Jesus that's doing these things. It's not it's not like Jesus has gone away and you know now he's you know he's uh, he's up there and these guys are kind of continuing his ministry. I mean he that is the case that they are continuing his ministry, but it's his power that's that's working through. Them. So let's just read it and then we'll see. <coughs> So verse 1, now Peter and John gives us perfect pictures of these two different kinds of people. You've got the new king, the new uh, in Christ, and then you've got the old, still lame and broken. Verse 1 says, now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame from his mother's room, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple. So, setting the scene, you got this picture, going to the temple at the ninth hour. There's a lot of discussion as to why they were going to the temple. Uh, any thoughts? Why do you think Peter and John were going to the temple? Well, it was the hour of prayer, but the ninth hour is 3 p.m. The way the Jewish the Jewish timekeeping was six is six to seven is the first hour, and it counts from there. So 9 a.m. is the third hour, noon is the sixth hour, three is the ninth hour, six is the twelfth hour, and there were prayer times, calls to prayer at. The, the there were three a day, but at the nine a.m., which would be the third hour, call to prayer. There were sacrifices made, and at the three p.m. call to prayer, there were sacrifices made. Why were they going up to the temple at at the three p.m. call to prayer? Was it just to pray? I think it was to preach the word. Huh? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of discussion. Some of you more, some of you more adamant Jewish deal would say that they would, they were still involved with the temple deal, and they were going to the temple to pray. I don't have any reason to doubt that whatsoever. But there's no evidence whatsoever in the Bible that the believers were involving themselves with the sacrifices that were going on in the temple after Christ had come. But if you want to go fishing, what you got to do? You got to go where the fish is at, right? And so they were going, and this is just me thinking out loud, you know, so it, it, take it or leave it, huh? They were going to pass out tracks. They were going to pass out tracks, yes. They were the, yeah, Jack Chick tracks, you know, the four spiritual laws and stuff. Uh, they were going to where all these people were going to pray and to be around these sacrifices. They were going to preach about the perfect sacrifice. They were going to witness about the perfect sacrifice. And it, it's kind of reinforced that is the fact that it was just Peter and John. Jesus 
modeled this for them when he sent them out by twos. You know, it was by twos that they were to go out and do their ministry. By twos that they were to go out and witness. And we see that, you know, all through the New Testament, Paul and all of them, whenever they entered a city, where did they go first to preach? They went to the synagogues. They went to wherever the Jewish people were meeting. They went to they went to preach to them first. And so I believe that they were going to pray, of course, but they were going with more intently to spread the good news about the perfect sacrifice that had come. And so they're going to this temple, and what you see, what you see here is these men that have that have the Spirit of God, you know, Pentecost has come. They're part of the new age of salvation. The, the, if you want to say it this way, the new work of God, the latter days, the, the last days uh, disciples. Uh, they're part of this and they're coming up and they're going into the old, so to speak. They're going into the temple where everybody is still doing the sacrifices. They're going up where they've been made new. They've been made perfect in Christ. And then they're still, they're going into the place where they're still, they're still lame and they're still hurting and they're still uh, religion, false religion, all this stuff. And they see this man who had been from birth lame and he was being taken every day to the gate called Beautiful. There are actually books written about what gate this was. It doesn't matter. I don't want to, uh, who cares what gate it was. But there's, you can find all kinds of stuff about which gate this was and where they were sitting. Uh, the reality is that this guy was dependent upon the generosity of people. He was dependent upon the people that were taking him from gate. You know, we're not told whether he was sat at this gate all day long or whether he was taken to different places. But he was there at 3 o'clock when the people were filing, I mean, hundreds of people, thousands maybe, were filing into the temple complex to pray. And so you can imagine, you can imagine what you think he was doing. I mean, he was just sitting there going, you know, alms for the poor, can you spare some change, whatever. And that was, huh? <laughs> yeah, uh, maybe not. But understand, this was not like the guys that sit on, on the freeway, you know, we need the freeway, the off, off ramps. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? We have freeways in cities, not around here. Huh? Yes. Yes. I mean, he was, but the difference was there was no welfare. There was no assistance. There was no, if he did not receive alms from people, he didn't eat that day. I mean, this was how there was no nothing. I mean, this was how he was going to actually feed himself unless he had somebody to take care of him, a relative, family member, whatever. There was, I mean, he would, he would starve to death without receiving something. And so by sitting at the temple gate, understand, you know, that's where, that's where people were going to be more generous. Why would people be more generous going into the temple to pray? Yeah, they were they were religious people. They were yeah, that, that's the yeah, and you can see it. I mean, you see it all the time. That's why. That's why. You know, uh, I should say since we're right here on the interstate. I mean, you know what happens. I'm not here as much as I used to be because now I work at the hospital too. But when I was here every day of the week, three times a week, people would come in off the interstate. You know, and they would. Ask for gas, ask for money. We never gave money, but we like would. Strangers? Yeah. 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 Man, I never thought about that. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, it come to find out, I didn't know this at the time, but come to find out, they would stop at the gas station, all them people down at the gas station, so, yeah, there's a church right down the road, go down there. <laughs> and they would all come here. And so was, we, uh, we, we never give any money. There's no money here to give. But if they, we ended up coming up with a deal like we would have gas cards and you, that you would have to sit here. I mean, as they would say, you know, we give me the big story about, you know, whatever. Who knows if it was true or not? It didn't matter if it was true or not. But I say, all right, I'll give you this $20 gas card or whatever, but you're going to sit here for 10 minutes and let me explain the gospel to you, you know. And so that, that's kind of how we did that. I, I'm not here much anymore, but that's, that's, the, that's the reason, that, you know, you see a church, you see a temple, you see a whatever, and all of a sudden you're going to know that that's where people are going to be, that's where people are going to be giving out, giving out stuff. And so that's where he was sitting every day at three, at three o'clock of the hour of prayer, that's where he was sitting. And so... I can imagine every day this guy is sitting at the gate. Every day. And it had to have gotten monotonous. It had to have gotten, you know, just like... I mean, imagine nameless, faceless people filing into the temple. I mean, you're really not, you're really not engaging somebody like... Hey man, can I, you, really you're just sitting there going, "Hey, arms for the poor," like them Salvation Army guys. It says, da, da, da. you know, after about three or four hours, you can see it. They just off in space somewhere. Hey, please get out of the Christmas. You know, they, they ain't even looking at you. They don't care. They just they just out there ringing the bell, saying what they're supposed to say. And so that's what that that's what this guy was doing. He was a beggar. Uh, he was lame from birth. And he had been sitting at this gate for perhaps decades. I mean, it could have been a long time. At least, I mean, there, there's some accounts that he was 40 years old, you know, and he was lame from birth. I mean, he could have been sitting there forever. Imagine all the things that had gone on in the temple complex. I wonder if he'd ever seen Jesus before. I mean, he's sitting at the gate of the temple, Jesus in the temple, a bunch. Jesus taught in the temple. Jesus was, you know, harassed at the temple. Jesus was turning junk over. At the, I mean, there are a lot of things. Of, I wonder if he'd ever seen Jesus before. I wonder if he'd ever heard Jesus. He stood up in the temple and preached about, I'm the light of the world in the temple complex. I wonder if the beggar had ever heard anything about this Jesus. Um, I kind of think that he did because Peter... It doesn't record for us that Peter gave him a big sermon about who Jesus was. But he does say later on that it was faith in Jesus that made this man whole. And so, who knows? That's all just me thinking out loud. That's just speculation. But this guy was, uh, this guy was uh, a beggar. He was lame. And he could not enter. And think about this as well. He couldn't go into the temple. Because he was unclean, being lame and crippled. He couldn't go into the temple. He, he might could go into the outer court, but he'd never, lame from birth, he'd never been in the temple. He'd never been in the inner complex of the temple. He'd never been into where all the other Jews had gone to make sacrifices and other, ever. Because he was unclean. He was not fit. Yes, ma'am. Was there like a sliding scale on that if you were a little bit lame, could you go in and like, who is deciding? Uh, define a little bit lame. Like a limp. Like a limp? Oh, I don't know. That's beyond my expertise. 
the law was deciding though, Leviticus, it says if any you know, man has this certain thing, he's unclean, he can't, you know, lepers were unclean, people with these certain diseases were unclean, people that were, you know, uh, malformed, deaf, whatever, you know, all kind of, all kind of afflicted people. Afflicted. What? Did that answer your question? No, there wasn't a sliding scale. Okay, so these guys, Peter and John, strolling through the temple. The guys probably sitting there going, on for the floor. Alms. Yeah, alms. You know, alms, alms. Not arms. I said alms. Alms, yeah. Okay. Arms for the floor. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. He's probably just yelling. You know, it's streams of people coming in. Probably not even, you know, it's just, he's just off in Never Never Land, just falls to the poor, hoping somebody's going to drop some chains. And it says, verse 3 says, Who seeing Peter and John go about the temple asked alms. Hey, 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 can you spare, can, hey, can you get any chains? Can you, you know, and just like them guys, that, you ever go into Walmart when there's somebody sitting at the front and they're like, huh, you just, yeah, you just know. Uh, like I'll, huh? Like what? You know, they're asking for donations for whatever cause, you know, whatever cause. I always go up to them, like, right before they get ready to speak, and they'll say, I'll say, hey, can, can I borrow $5? <laughs> 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 anyway. Oh, be mean. Huh? Be mean. Be, that's not mean. mean. Is that mean? Yes. Well, it depends on what the deal is. Do you follow up with, I'm a pastor, doesn't <laughs> <laughs> No, I don't do that. No, I don't do that. No, that's <laughs> yeah. Okay, shut up. Alms for the poor. But you do know. Okay, never. All you have to do is have, fill out a paper, and Verse you can four. you can sit out there. Verse four. I mean, you don't know who's getting that money. You don't know where that. You don't know if they're even representing the group that they're saying they're in. Anyway. Wasn't there Jackson and the man that was there at the columns playing those instruments? Shelby wouldn't hush, would she, Jennifer, until I give her some money to put in that little man's throat. He was playing instruments? Yeah, he was playing the saxophone. Christmas melodies. Oh, like Marshall? Yeah. yeah. Huh, I've never seen that. Now, that'd be something. I mean, <laughs> at least you play an instrument. Yeah. <laughs> Shelly told him, she says, I like her. Here's some money. Cool. <laughs> no, I don't play the saxophone anymore. Anymore? Yeah, I played it in the high school band. I was the first chair, too. We need to get you to the sax. All right, so <laughs> the guy looks at Peter and John. The guy looks at Peter and John. He says, hey, give me some money. Alms for the poor. Can you help brother out? Whatever he said. And uh, verse 4 says, Peter, fastening his eyes upon him with John, said, look on us. And that's the reason why I think, that's the reason why I think this guy was just, you know, he was, He'd been there for so long, every single day, and it was just like, you know, alms for the poor, alms for the poor. You know, maybe he's looking down the dirt, maybe he's ashamed, who knows. Maybe there's a lot going on. But Peter would not let him 
just holler for help, you know, alms to the poor without acknowledging. He said, he said, it's a command. He said, look at me. He said, look at me. He, it's not going to be one of those, you know, can you ever, have you ever given money to those? There, there's some, not, not the people that sit out in front, you know, for organizations, but a, a truly homeless person or whatever, you know, you, you'll watch them, people walk by and, and, and it's like, they'll just, you know, just drop some chain to people. You know what I mean? It's not a personal, if you've ever seen that, it, it usually is not a personal thing. It's, it's just like a, you know, here you go. Even if they're sitting, I've, I've handed dollar bills out the window to the guys that stand on the deal, and it's nothing personal about it. It's just like, here's a dollar bill, thank you, bye, and you, know, you drive on. There you go. Uh, Peter wasn't going to let that happen here. He, he wanted to, I don't know, maybe the Spirit was moving him to say, look, I'm going to do something marvelous here. I'm going to do something miraculous. He says, he, he, he focuses his attention. He says, no, 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 you look, you look right here, look at me. And the guy... The lame man, he he thinks, you know, what would you think? The guy says, look at me. Huh? I'm finna get a payday. You know? I'm, I'm finna get something. That's what he says. And he gave him, he gave, verse 5 says, he gave heed to them expecting to receive something. He thought he was going to give, you know, he was going to, he was going to, thought he was going to give, get him, you know, whatever, enough to get a meal. You know, who knows? Enough to get a meal, uh, some change for a cup of coffee. Man, I don't know if we drink coffee, but you know what I mean. Just, a, just enough to get him. Huh? Yeah, and think of it's it's easy for us to skip over the fact that this guy didn't used to have good legs that all of a sudden went bad. He'd never walked ever. He was born lame. He never knew what it meant to walk. He never knew what it meant to have strong legs. He ne- <clears throat> Excuse me. He never knew. <clears throat> it wasn't like he, he, he was whole at one time physically and <clears throat> then lost it and was sitting there going, man, I wish I could get back to... He had never known what it was like to be <laughs> normal as far as we consider normal, as far as walking and all that. And so... Being healed, was, I mean, that was that would be more out of the question than just a person who had lost the uh, ability to use their leg. He had been sitting there day after day after day after day. And the most, you know, on the best day, he probably just got a little extra money to buy him some bread or so somebody would take him to get him something to eat. You know, so he was expecting... When somebody comes, they weren't just nameless, faceless people that were walking by throwing change in the cup. They said, hey, look here, I'm going to have an interaction with you. And so he got excited. Hey, look, I'm going to get something good here. You know, I'm going to get a meal or whatever. And God had so much more for him. But isn't that the way we do all the time? We, God, just give me, we, we, we want God just to make this little thing better when God has so, something so much more wonderful, wonderful for us. He's got so much more for us and all we're asking for is a little change. God, can you spare a little change, whatever? He's got something so much greater. And it wasn't even bad enough that the poor man couldn't walk. I mean, he wasn't even allowed to worship, you know, Normally, he, he wasn't allowed to do anything normally. Yeah, he all was I completely could think of. Cast out. Yeah, and plus, this probably don't have nothing to do with what you said, but I, I always, when I was reading this, I was thinking, how do sit there and go to the bathroom and stuff? I mean, when they, when they, huh? Well, I mean, they dropped him off. They carried him to the. You got to go to the bathroom. 
<laughs> no, he didn't get. I mean, after he got healed, he might have got. Huh? Crawled off or whatever. Maybe he yeah, but we there ain't no porta potties laying around nowhere. This is all I'm saying is, huh? Oh, okay, okay, uh, and I'm the insensitive one. Okay, yeah, just roll on over there, dude. I mean, what's wrong with you? Yeah, huh? Everybody else's. I'm just saying the, the man had more issues than what we could possibly imagine. I mean, things that we take for granted. I'm not just saying, oh, let's talk about going to the bathroom. I'm talking about the guy was sitting there unable to leave unless somebody came and carried him off. And so he had more than just, oh, I wish I could walk. He had issues that we can't even dream about. I mean, things that were wrong with him. He was unable to do anything. Unable to do anything whatsoever. Couldn't feed himself, couldn't clothe himself, couldn't go to the bathroom by himself. Couldn't, I mean, couldn't do nothing. He was completely inept. And what we see is it's going to be, by the, end of this, uh, by the end of this section, it's a picture of God saving us because we, were, we are inept. We can't do anything. We cannot please God by ourselves. We cannot be righteous in and of ourselves. We can't do anything. You can't lift a finger that's going to be pleasing to God or to add to your righteousness. You are completely, just like this lame man, we are completely without any kind of goodness and any kind of way to make any goodness. It was God who came down, just like Peter's going to, uh, with the power of the Spirit, heal this man and make him whole. It was God in Christ through the Spirit that came and made you whole in Him, that made you alive in Him, that came and brought you healing to your soul and your spirit. It was nothing that you did on your own. So I say that not to just say, oh, let's talk about going to the bathroom, but to talk to say that there were issues going on here that that you and I just can't. I mean, if you've ever known someone who was, you know, paraplegic or not able to walk or not able to do for themselves, you know that it's not just it's not just, you know, you see them if you see them come to church and here they are. And, you know, that's great. But when they go home, you know, you got all kind of issues going on. You got feeding, clothing, bathing. I mean, you got all kind of things that have to be done that they can't do for themselves. And so that's where this guy was. And who knows what, what was going on in his life because the text just says he was being carried. I mean, he doesn't, doesn't say anything about family, doesn't say anything about mother, father, doesn't say anything about whatever. Just saying he was being carried to the temple and as far as we know, just dropped off there at the gate. You know, I'll come back and get you after I get off work. You know, so it was all kind of things going on. And so Peter says, I, I want you to look at me. And the guy looks at him and he gives him his attention. He's expecting a trinket. He's expecting just a little change. He's expecting something, whatever it was. And Peter, Peter said, verse 6 says, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have I give to thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise and walk. And so he gave him a command. He gave him a command that the guy is unable to do. Now, think about this. Think about this for a minute. Uh, you're, you're the beggar, and you, you're going through all the things that we just explained. And I'm Peter, and I walk up and I say, you know, hey, look at me. And he's expecting something. And the first thing that comes out of my mouth is, I don't have no money. 
What, what's your reaction? Get out of my face, man. Look at all these people that went by while I'm talking to you. I could have got something from there. He says, silver and gold, have none. He says, but what I have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus, you rise and you walk. What's your reaction? Are you a fool? Rise, I, I mean, rise and walk? I mean, I can't walk. He was commanding him to do something that he was unable to do. He was commanding him to get up and walk. And so he, he commanded him to do what he, what he can't do. But what we're going to see is the same thing that we see in our life is that Christ, by the Spirit, gives him the ability, gives him the power to do what he's unable to do. You and I cannot come to God in our own righteousness, in our own power, in our own ability. You have, as far without Christ, you separate yourself from Christ, the Holy Spirit, salvation, separated from that, you do not have the ability to please God. Uh, Romans 8.8 8 says, those that are in the flesh cannot literally are not able to please God. Do you know what that means? That means that nothing you've ever done, uh, outside of salvation now, we're talking about outside of before you were born again, you, you never did, you, when you helped the homeless, when you helped your family, when you were good to somebody, none of that pleased God. Nothing outside of the Holy Spirit of God, the salvation that Christ purchases, pleases God. Those that are in the flesh, Romans 8, 8, write it down, look it up. Those that are in the flesh cannot please God. Literally, it's are not able to please God. So understand that we, outside of Christ, are in the same position, the helpless position that this beggar's in. We cannot please God. I don't care what you do. I don't care what resolution you make. I don't care what new leaf that you turn over. I don't care what kind of things that you say. You know, I'm going to give all my money away to charity. I'm going to help the homeless. I'm going to do good to my fellow man. I'm going to... You, you, whatever it is, it does not please God because it's always tainted with sin. It's a bribe. It's a bribe to God. God, I know I'm not righteous, but here, take this good work and let that satisfy you. It's offensive. It's offensive to God. And so Peter was commanding him to do something he could not do. And we're commanded to do something that we can't do. We're commanded to love God with all our heart, mind, soul, strength. And we're unable to do that until the Holy Spirit comes inside of us and remakes our heart and turns us from darkness to light. We're unable to do that. And so he says, rise and walk. The guy can't rise and walk. So what did Peter do? He grabbed the joker's hand and he yanked him up. I, I wonder what the dude was thinking. This is, I think, now this is also, this is also me speaking, but I think this is where the miracle happened. Yes. I, I agree with you 100%. I, I, think that I don't like it when people start their questions <laughs> off that way. <laughs> it's not that, not that he reached down and grabbed him and pulled him up, but, but when he reached out his hand, the faith came when he reached back and grabbed his hand, and that's when the miracle happened, I think. Well, that, that is when the miracle happened. Uh, it says, where are we at? Seven. And he took him by the right hand and, he, and lifted him up. And immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. He took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he reached down and he grabbed him. I, 
I mean, I almost, uh, you may be right, and we're all just kind of speculating here. But I'm thinking Peter grabbed him, and Peter yanked him up. Not like, not like, oh yes, I will walk, but like, what are you doing, man? Ah! You know, I can walk. Look, look, you know, it was shocked. Yeah, and, and, and like I said, that's just me. That's not written. That's not written here either. I, I'm just thinking out loud, huh? Was Peter a big man? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. No, not as far as physical appearance. But he grabbed him and he lifted him up, and that's where. Now I want you to get this. Understand. Peter's going to speak. The rest of this chapter, chapter 3 and chapter 4 are connected. So when we do the rest of this chapter and we go into chapter 4, we're all going to be talking about this healing for two chapters. Because after Peter's going to explain the healing with a sermon in the rest of chapter 3, and in chapter 4 they're going to arrest him because of the preaching and the healing, that the commotion that's going on. And the, the arrest that in chapter 4 is going to be, he's going to be talking about the healing. So we're going to be talking about this healing for the next two chapters. <clears throat> but what I want you to see is he is going to make clear to the people that are around. He's going to make clear to the people, the, the temple priests and those that arrest him, that it was Jesus of Nazareth, the one whom they crucified, who has made this man whole. It was Jesus' power. In fact, when the people gather around and start going, look, well, what is this that's going on? Peter's going to tell them, he's going to say, why are y'all looking at us like we did this? He said, it's Jesus who's made this man whole. But what I want you to see is it was Peter's hand that reached down and grabbed him up. Now, what does that say to you? Like the power of Christ is going to be the one that changes hearts. It's going to be the ones that, that, that does the miraculous in, in saving people and bringing them to the knowledge of Christ. But he's going to use your hands to do it. He's going to use your lips to do it. He's going to use your talents and your abilities and the gifts that he's given you to do it. It was Jesus who made this man whole, but it was Peter's hand that reached down and lifted him up. And that's when the miracle took place. Um, a lot of times we, we, we can think of, you know, uh, you got people that you're praying for. You got people that you're worried about. You got people that, you know, all kinds of things going on. And, and that's a wonderful thing to do. It's what we need to be doing is praying for them. And it's only God who works in their hearts. But when he works in somebody's heart, he's going to do it through the gospel being told to them from somebody's lips. You see what I mean? It's not like more often than not, he's not just going to cause an earthquake and allow somebody to say, oh, I need God. You know, please save me. More often than not, he's going to work through one of his people giving the gospel, talking about Jesus, being a witness to him. You remember what we started this book? He said, when the spirit comes upon you and you receive power, what's going to happen? You're going to be my witnesses. And that's exactly what happened in chapter 2. That's exactly what's going to happen in chapter 3. Peter is not only going to work uh, by the power of God uh, to let God's power heal this man, but Peter is going to stand up and he's going to preach another sermon, just like he did in chapter 2. And then when they arrest him and they bring him into the temple complex and they bring him before the, the, the council, he's going to preach another sermon. And he's going to, you know, over and over and over again, a lot of people think, 
And you'll have the idea, and it is true that Acts is a book of miracles, and it is a book of miracles, but more than that, it's a book of sermons. There's more sermons in Acts than there are miracles. And so what he's gonna what we see here is that it's the power of God that does this in this man's life, but it's through the hands of his disciple that it gets done. Does that make sense? Yes. You see that? Okay. All right, let's hurry up. We are, we are out of time already. And so he took him by the hand, and his feet and ankle bones received strength. Now remember, he'd never walked before. So this wasn't the case of... I mean, this. there's people that have been paralyzed that when they're able to walk again, they have to go through therapy to learn how to walk again because they can't, I mean, they've forgotten how to walk. Muscles have atrophied or or whatever, you know. This guy, the miracle was immediately, it was all, whatever was wrong. We're not told exactly, you know, he was probably born with some kind of defect in his ankle or feet or his legs or or something, born with some kind of uh, malady that allowed him not to walk or whatever. And all of a sudden, when he grabbed him, raised him to his feet in the name of Jesus Christ, all that was strengthened. All that was remade. All that was was done away with. And he could walk. What would be his reaction? Amazement. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly what it says. It says, leaping up, he stood and walked. And where is the first place he went? He went into the temple. He entered into the temple with them. Walking and leaping and praising God. Now, I don't know that if you know this or not, but for a Jewish man, that is not very dignified behavior. You do not be running. That's why in the parable of the prodigal son, it's so crazy that the father would run to meet his son because running, running is not dignified. You know, they had the long robes. And when it says gird up the loins, gird up your loins, that means grab your robe and tuck it in your belt so you can run. Um, yeah, yeah, not a pretty thing, not a pretty thing. And so he he's leaping and jumping. He doesn't he doesn't care. I mean, he doesn't care. He has been relieved. I mean, he was expecting some change, expecting a meal, and what he received was complete healing of his body. He don't have to beg anymore. He can go to work. He doesn't have to. He doesn't have to worry about the generosity of other people. He doesn't have to worry about other people supporting him. How am I going to get around? How am I going to do this? How am I going to do that? He can do. He can do for himself because of what God has done in his heart. It says all people saw him walking and praising God. Whose name? By whose name was he healed? Exactly what he heard, Peter said, by the name, in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, rise and walk. And he was praising God for his healing. And so that's one of the things Peter's going to hit on in his sermon. He's like, it's not, this is not some new thing going on. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is the one who made this guy whole. And it was in the name of Jesus. He's going to tell us that next week. And they knew that it was he which sat for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple and they were filled with wonder and amazement at that which had happened to him. And that's it. Yeah, then it starts. They all came up and Peter starts preaching. We'll do that next week. But... They knew that it was him. The guy had been sitting at the gate for so long that they recognized him. They knew, this guy had been there forever. They knew and they were in wonder and amazement that he could be walking, that he could be healed, that he could 
have this done to him. Uh, that's when the Pharisees go to That's well. That's when he, Peter starts preaching, and then they're gonna then they're gonna come and they're gonna arrest him. But I want you to think about this as we go. The greatest miracle in the world is not that a lame man gets to walk or that a blind man can see. The greatest miracle in the world is that a sinful, wretched enemy of God can be transformed into a child of the King that loves and serves Him. Uh, I think it's in Mark chapter 6. I may be wrong about that. I'll have to look it up. But it's when Jesus came to His hometown. It said He could do no mighty miracle there because of the, their lack of faith. And then it tags a little line at the end. It says except that He healed a few sick folks. The miracle that He was looking for was the changing of their heart to serve Him. He says He could do no mighty miracle there because of their lack of faith, except that He healed a few sick folks. So understand that the greatest miracle that there ever was is that He would take this wretched, nasty, sinful heart and that He would change it to be uh, a lover of God, a server of God, and uh, that is that's that's the miracle. So, do you even think you said you know even though he healed the sick folks in his hometown that they, they still their hearts didn't change? They were just healed. Yeah. Wow. There's people in Scripture. There's people that are healed that are not saved. We see that. I mean, you got the ten lepers. Yeah. The ten, nine took off. You know, yeah, sure. they went off somewhere, and only one came back to thank him. Only one was actually, he said, made whole. The rest of them just healed of their lepers. They took off wherever they went. You know, and so it, the healing is not always indicative of salvation. But what it does show us is that he is there bringing the kingdom. The, king, the perfect, he's giving us glimpses, looks through the keyhole of the perfect kingdom that's to come. Where there won't be any more sickness, where there won't be, all that is against the way that God has set up the world. Sin brought all that in. And so Jesus is coming in and he's showing you, look, the kingdom is here. It's, it's starting and one day it's going to be completed and there's not going to be any more of this. And there's not going to be anybody that needs to be healed because all people are going to be whole. All people are going to be well. And he's using the miracles. We're going see it in Acts over and over. The miracles are always they're, they're not just for the the wonder of doing a miracle. Like, ooh, look what I can do. You know, like Stuart. <laughs> it's always accompanied by sermon. Always accompanied by the gospel. This is the miracle. This is why the miracle happened. Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Over and over again. Okay? Everybody understand? It just reproves over and over and over what you just said about several of the miracles people are not saved. It just proves over and over that no matter what you see, some people just will not. <clears throat> no matter the proof, they're right there in front of them. Even people that were healed, that yeah. witnessed it face to face on themselves, still were not saved. Right. And I think this guy was. Because we're going to see that it was, it was by faith in His name. It wasn't just it says by faith in His name. And then in chapter 4, as Peter and John stand before the, uh, the Sanhedrin, they're going to say, He's been made whole by His faith in Jesus. You know, so I think this guy was. 